loving God, um, thank you for this community. I think about um, all of the people and relationships that people here are connected to, the massive web of, um, of love and, and connection and complexity that is represented just in this space. And we think of, think of people's relationships with their mothers, we think of people's um, relationships with their children, we think of those who perhaps thought they would be mothers and are not, um, those who have become mothers and kind of regret it. And we think of all of the incredibly diverse and complex relationships with motherhood that are in this community. And um, I pray that as we engage with you, engage with scripture, um, yeah, we might be able to settle into being here now, being present just for a little while before we go out back into the world to, to be all the people that we are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That was a strange one. Anyway, never mind. Um, just a heads up that I'm going to get you to chat to each other a bit later on. Um, I went to a talk recently uh, where the presenter um, did a kind of threes thing, like get in threes, because often you'll have, like if you have a random assortment of people in a community, there might be some couples and some people on their own, and if you make people join into threes, then generally uh, it's kind of safe and inclusive. So that's just a heads up in a little while. You're gonna, I'm going to put you in a group of three or maybe four to talk about something that I'm hoping will be very inclusive. So you don't have to be an insider, you don't have to be a believer to participate in what we're going to do. Okay, so that's all a way of giving you both a heads up and also hopefully soothing you. Uh, so we're, we're in the, um, the middle of a series looking at the Jesus way as a wisdom tradition. And uh, this is the second week of two weeks looking at Jesus' temptation in uh, the wilderness by the devil. Uh, we're looking at that in Luke. And as I said last week... Just to give a quick recap of last week. As I said last week, the first few weeks of this phase of the series, we've been looking at basic questions about Jesus' mission and ministry. Uh, so a few weeks ago, Shane talked about Jesus' first sermon in the synagogue in Nazareth. And we talked about that last week as the what of Jesus' mission. Jesus saying, I am here to be part of God bringing liberation to the oppressed and justice and healing and all of those beautiful things from Isaiah. So that was the what, that's the sort of goal where Jesus is heading, it's sort of the end of the Jesus path. And then the week after Tamsin talked about, um, I guess, the who in looking at Jesus' baptism 
Oh, actually, I've got some slides, so you've got things to look at as we go. Um, yeah, so the what and then the who. In Jesus' baptism, we see God confirming that Jesus is the person that God wants to do this what through. Jesus is the one that God wants to use to bring about this liberation and this healing. And so last week and this week, the idea is to look at the how. How is Jesus going to go about doing this what? Walking this path. And I suggested that Jesus' temptation in the wilderness by the devil, the three temptations that we see in Luke, is Jesus essentially saying no to the how, no to the way of empire, saying no to spectacle, saying no to coercion, saying no to um, violence, as, I guess, a negative way of saying yes to the way that we see him walking in his life, which is the way of invitation and the way of um, nonviolence, the way of, of gentleness. So this is the passage that we looked at last week, Luke 4, 1 to 13. We're not going to read the whole thing again. I'm, I'll leave it up there so that you can have a little look at it. And uh, if you are listening to the podcast, you should have listened to last week first because <laughs> you've got the very lovely Ben Tumney reading the whole passage for you. So just pause now, go back to that podcast episode and then come back to this one later on. But what... What I do want to focus on, and this is all that we find in Mark. So when Mark talks about Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, all that Mark says is the Spirit sent Jesus out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. Jesus was with the wild animals and angels attended him. So that's all that we get in Mark about the temptation of Jesus by the devil. Whereas in Luke, I guess Luke decides that we need a bit more detail, need to get a greater sense of what that temptation might look like. And so in Luke, we see these three temptations. Uh, the temptation to turn stones into bread, the temptation to worship the devil and so instantly find himself in the position of glory and the temptation to throw himself off the temple so that the angels will catch him, the temptation to create a sense of spectacle that will draw the crowds to him. Yeah, so last week I, I said we would spend this week talking a little bit about um, how we might resist the temptations that Jesus resisted as a community and what kinds of rituals and practices we might put into place to resist the temptations that Jesus resists in this passage. Um, so that's, that's what I'm going to get you to talk about. Um, but just while you're thinking about that, a little recap of some of the things that we said yesterday that might help to focus 
your conversation. So when we think about the... So this is kind of a recap from a different perspective. When we think about the problem that Jesus, the people in Jesus' time faced, the problem that they faced, uh, and we talk about this very often, the, the problem of being colonised by a brutal empire. So there's something ver- very tangible about the, the challenges that the Jewish people at this time faced. They had yeah, the boot of empire on their neck, They were being taxed into poverty, taxed into starvation. They were constantly encountering violence and any resistance to empire was met with extreme violence. And in this passage in Luke, we see Jesus, I guess, wrestling with what is the solution to that problem. As Shane said a few weeks ago, the solution of John the Baptist, I guess, was withdrawal, like the Essenes, like the sects of the Essenes, withdrawal from into the desert, into the wilderness, and purification and just waiting, waiting for God to show up. Others, like the, the Zealots, the Assassins, their solution was, you know, direct action, violence, assassination, trying to bring on a conflict that would allow them to overthrow the Romans. Um, And so in this passage, it's like a kind of, in a parable, we see Jesus wrestling with these questions of this is the problem, what's the solution? And equally, if not more importantly, what's the how of this solution to the problem of my people? And Jesus says, no to violence, no to spectacle, no to coercion. And as we see in the rest of Jesus' ministry, we see Jesus saying yes to kind of active, non-violent resistance to not withdrawing from society, but going to where the greatest victims of empire are and standing in solidarity with them, offering them healing, offering them love, kindness and acceptance in the pursuit of the justice that Jesus comes to bring. And so today I want us to think about the same two questions. What is, what is the problem that our culture and the church today faces? And what is the solution? And what is the how that we need to pursue to find that solution? You've probably got your own thoughts about what the ex- exact details of the problem that the church and our culture faces, uh, the nature of the empire that we face. Um, but let me suggest a couple of things and then you can chat together. As Shane said a few weeks ago, the, the form of colonisation that we face is a much more subtle one. It's not as direct, it's not as in your face. The kind of colonisation of, we've talked about neoliberalism, we talk about secularism, we can talk about market capitalism. 
but all of them together have created a sense of spiritual oppression, created a spiritual wilderness, and made communities like this almost impossible to sustain. There's been an incredible spiritual flattening of the world in which we live. So that even a sense of of the presence of God, even the sense of the presence of God's spirit is an incredibly difficult thing to hold on to. And so what for us is the solution? I think a lot of churches have followed many of the methods that the devil suggests in this passage. In a sense, trying to employ the methods of the market to solve the oppression of the market, creating better branding, innovation, employing um, narcissists and sociopaths, in positions of leadership because they are the ones that are able to generate that cult of personality that will draw in consumers. And I'm not just pointing the finger out there. It's a challenge for every community. It's a challenge for us as well. It's a question for us to ask ourselves too. In what ways uh, the ways in which we struggle with the problems of this culture and this time, how much are we playing into that logic of spectacle and branding and whatever it might be? So what can we do to follow Jesus in the ways in which we resist the culture that we find ourselves in? That's the question for today. Just to plant some seeds and then I'll get you to talk together. Just a couple of things. And this is really the basis of this series, that we need to cultivate stories and rituals and practice to resist the methods of the market. Even Jesus had to return again and again to rituals and practices that would help him resist the devil's alternative plan. In Luke 5, Jesus heals a leper and tells the leper not to tell anyone. It's so fascinating how often he tells people that he heals not to tell anyone. And you do wonder how much of it is an attempt to resist the snowballing effect of movement that then creates a level of profile, status, a scale of movement that Jesus cannot control. But even so, the leper tells everyone and suddenly Jesus is surrounded by people clamoring to be healed, clamoring to be liberated from what is, has bound them. And so again and again, he withdraws into the wilderness to regroup, to refocus and to resist the temptation to follow the methods of the devil to achieve the ends that God would have him pursue. So what can we put in place 
like Jesus' practice of withdrawing to solitary places and praying, that can help us resist the temptation to resort to manipulation, to spectacle, to brand building, to cults of personality as a community. I feel like pretty consistently the stories we tell as a community uh, and the songs that we sing are stories and songs that help us to resist the logic of the market. You know, we are trying to tell humble stories. We are trying to sing songs that follow a logic of kind of resistance to empire. But what about rituals and practices? So I guess I want today to have just a couple of phases of conversation in groups of two and two or three, sorry, groups of three or four. Um, the first is to talk individually. So what are some daily rituals and practices that help you connect to aliveness to spirit in the midst of the spiritual wilderness that we find ourselves in. Um, and again, if you don't identify as a Jesus follower, that is totally fine, because the fact that you are here suggests that there's some kind of hunger in you for something bigger than the spiritual flatness that we find in our culture. Yeah? So it doesn't have to be a Jesus-focused practice or ritual, but what are the things that you do as a daily practice that help you to stay connected to a sense of spirit and a sense of aliveness, a sense of God. Um, as you're thinking about that question, I was doing just a lot of reading this week about um, Jewish practices of blessing. You know, So there's a Jewish tradition that you should say a hundred blessings a day. And that starts with a blessing when you wake up, that, you're, that the Spirit of God has returned to you for, and into you for another day. Um, but blessings in the presence of bread, blessings in the presence of wine, blessings when you go to the toilet, blessings when you encounter something new, just an incredibly textured rhythm of blessing and gratitude in engaging with the, the everydayness of life. Um, and certainly one of the most meaningful and beautiful things in my family is just the fact that we've managed to maintain a tradition of saying grace before meals to, to name our gratitude for food. Uh, so that might be one thing, but yeah, what are some other things that you do in your life just to create a little thin space where you feel more connected to spirit, to aliveness? Um, yeah, so try to find a group of three or four if you can, and I'll give you a few minutes to talk about that. All right. We've got another question, so we'll, we'll move on. Um, but I am interested if there's any kind of brief feedback from your group. Um, ideally, just again as a practice of listening and attention, ideally 
sharing something that someone else said that struck you rather than your own practice or idea. Um, so you can just quickly ask them for permission to share as well. But was there anything that someone in your group said, a practice that they shared that you went, yeah, that's something I'd like to do or something that I do or something that I resonate with or that would be a beautiful practice to cultivate? We talked about showering and we talked about watching alone. If you watch alone, it can create gratitude for warm water and water you can drink. Um, oh, I just like, yeah, listen to Jeremy talk about dog walking and sit, like just like the kind of immersion into nature that you don't get a choice about <laughs> and just like making the most of seeing seasons change and seeing stuff happen in the day to day and seeing nature and being out and the bigness and openness and kind of really convenient, a bit like team exercise in team sports, like, you know, it's not, you don't really get a choice, you just have to, once you show up, you're running, like if you have a dog, yeah, it's, it's really lovely, yeah, I thought I should let my children outside more often and chase them, yeah. It's easy to see dependent relationships just as a burden, but it, the things that sometimes it makes you do, like, because we've got a dog and she just, just loves getting out, and, and just the infectiousness of another creature that is so insanely curious and compelled by the same smells every day. Yeah. <laughs> Stu? The theme amongst our group was that it's very difficult to be consistent. And so I think something like a, a dog or child that demands things of you is probably very valuable for that. We've all had periods where we do things well and then it sort of slips and you realize two months later that it's been that whole time. Yeah. I guess the theme for ours as well was they all had some kind of tactile element. So whether it was like face care and you know, using that as a time to check in with yourself or a little hand-based reflection, which you can ask Ben about later. It's very cool. This is Ben's last week for a few months. So if you do want to ask him about it, you have to ask him about it today. Um, so that's, that's my form of prayer for Ben on his trip. He's doing the Camino de Santiago de Compostela, um, but not the classic one. He's doing the Portuguese one. How cool is that? Do you want me to say Camino de Santiago de Compostela again? Yeah, sure, fine. Anyone else? That's all right. We've got another question coming up, so you can share for that as well. I have a friend that used this great phrase that, you know, one of the challenges of life is blowing the dust off the ordinary to make it transcendent. And uh, a lot of the things that we've been talking about and the challenge that Stu talked about is that there are things that just happen that create that sense of spirit and transcendence and connection. But if we're trying to do it as a practice, a daily practice, it's the challenge is always that it, it then shifts to something mundane um, that is kind of evacuated of, of connection. And so uh, maybe that's you know, part of ideally what church can do for us is just to be a space where together we remind ourselves to blow the dust off those practices so that they can create connection again which is a beautiful segue, well done, Rod, to, um, yeah, just the second conversation I want you to have. Just stay in the same groups, makes it easy. Um, so 
as Tamsin said a few weeks ago, we're kind of focusing on practices as individual and rituals as collective. That's um, definitely a definition that you could challenge in all sorts of ways, but just we thought that might be helpful. So let's think about collective rituals, rituals that we might do as a community that would help us be more connected to aliveness and to spirit in the midst of the spiritual wilderness that we find ourselves in. Um, and practices that might help us resist the methods of the God of the market and follow the way of Jesus. Uh, so I've already mentioned uh, the stories that we tell, the parts of the Bible that we focus on, and um, the songs that we write. There is a real attempt to resist kind of triumphalism, to resist forms of spirituality that, um, that seem to be giving in to the temptations that the devil offers and um, yeah, forms of spirituality that are much more about um, non-coercive love and about kindness and about um, gentleness. But what else might we do? Uh, we, we've definitely fallen into a real pattern in the way that we do church and all churches do. All churches have their liturgy, even if that's pretty much no liturgy. But, yeah, what are some ideas that you might have at your group, things that we could do um, that might answer this question and not involve another roster? So I'll give you a few minutes to talk about that question. Thanks, everyone. Um, so again, just a couple of minutes to share your thoughts. At our table here, we were talking about going on, you know, nature walks together. So sort of some of the embodied practices that we were talking about before, working out ways of doing them together. Um, so that was one idea that came from our group. Any others that stood out for you that other people said or even something that you said, that's okay. Um, Heidi was just sharing um, about practices that take us out of our heads and into our um, bodies, is that right? Into And with silence um, and it reminded me of an experience we had last weekend, can I share that? And we went to Sacred Edge and there was a beautiful practice where the um, lead was um, inviting us to like call and response, sing and then drop into a sort of a meditative silence and it was so potent and powerful and we sort of did that maybe for an hour back and forth, song, silence and it was, yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I think about a lot for this community that, I mean, as, you know, a lot of us are people that come from a cultural background where there's a lot of discomfort with the embodied, um, not naming any names, uh, but I often think about ways in gentle, safe ways that we would be comfortable giving ourselves over to that will facilitate that kind of embodied sense. Um, it's, it's tricky too with, uh, like often those practices are opt-in 
practices and people and when you're a community like this where people it's an open space and people coming in perhaps for the first time like the couple that left um, <laughs> and going oh what is this so that yeah there's there's always the challenge of this kind of space but it, it doesn't mean that we can't create other spaces for those practices or do really simple forms of them here that might feel safe yeah thank you hey Martin uh, initially I felt a bit comfortable uncomfortable thinking about this in general um, this idea of like how can we as a community sort of do things differently to the world it kind of reminded me of maybe other experiences where in faith communities they frame things very much as like you know it's us against the world sort of thing and there's this tension there between like um, how can we band together and be reminded of Jesus without but also not in a way that then isolates us from the people around us that don't share those views or aren't in our community. Um, yeah, and so I think something to do with like how we um, can be aware of the spirit or rituals is all in awareness, and meditation's great for training that in general, I think, um, and just being aware of where, what motives, what's motivating you and the people around you and... Um, yeah, because if you, if you aren't aware of it, it's very unlikely you'll be able to resist it in the first place. Um, yeah, so. That's an, an excellent point. And I, I guess it brings me back to the, the point we were talking about before and that Shane talked about a few weeks ago, the difference between John the Baptist and Jesus, you know, that that spirituality of withdrawal and keeping ourselves untainted by the world and cultivating practices that keep us separate versus I guess Jesus concept of being yeast um, that we are not setting ourselves over and against the rest of the world but a kind of an experiment in a form of difference that hopefully can filter out into the rest of our communities and relationships so yeah it's not not in any way an oppositional sense of the spirituality that we're creating but a participatory one where we work together to create that um, light that hopefully then can flow out to other contexts and other relationships. Um, and, it, you know, we're talking at our table about, you know, meeting in a building like this can, you know, the building is like a metaphor of separateness often um, with brick walls between us and the rest of the world. So, we yeah, we do have to actively work against thinking of what we do as withdrawing from the world to create something separate and other, uh, yeah. So maybe more bushwalks. <laughs> um, all right, I'm conscious of the time, conscious of mothers, so we might finish there, but um, yeah, don't worry, this is a conversation we're going to continue to have throughout the series, think about things that we can do individually and collectively to... Uh, yeah, to resist the spiritual flatness that we find ourselves in, in a way that follows Jesus rather than um, resist Jesus. <laughs>